Welcome to Craggy Island Rugby, the St. Stephen's Day edition. Well, it's 50 minutes to kick off and there's a crowd in here as big as a normal league game already. I've got Rob Murphy because William is down in South Africa enjoying the cricket. What are your, your thoughts on, on what should be an exciting game? Yeah, I think we should say a very happy Boxing Day to our Ulster fans as well. Just you know, to keep the balance. Absolutely. Keep the balance. Um, lots of them come down the motorway because I came down from Dublin today and there was a few, a few Ulster fans in the car so hopefully they make plenty of noise. One of my thoughts, oh, tough game. This was a defining fixture last year. Glasgow, Ospreys, Ulster. Those three fixtures last year where we realised despite all our progress oh, there's another level and we're not there yet are we there now that's the question and yes people will say Ulster are missing 10 big names which they are we're missing a few big names as well but it doesn't matter because this 15 that are taken to the field today for Ulster is the 15 that beat Toulouse home and away Toulouse as you constantly point out second in the top 14 uh, this is the form side in the Pro 12 based on coming out of Europe this Ulster side and I think this is a real marker a barometer if you like for Connacht it is because like you look at their 9-10 12, 13 combination. That's as good a combination that's out in the rest of Europe at the moment. And we're really going to get an idea of how we're doing. Hey, what about the crowd in? Huge, huge crowd. And everyone's excited. The buzz in here, like we were in very early. The buzz in this place is phenomenal. Okay, it's 3 0 to Ulster at half time, and Maura's got some thoughts. Um, hi, Alan. Yes, um, I think Connacht are playing well, but there's um, we've got a few handling errors. We've been we've been in the 22 for for a lot of that first half, and we just haven't been able to convert that possession that we have. I think we're making a couple of silly mistakes that I can't tell if we're getting nervous or what. But you know, we're able to beat this team. Ulster aren't playing fantastically. They're having their own problems, and they're not getting into our 22 a lot. But they are taking their chances, and that's why they're three 0 ahead. They are indeed. It's it's going to be a tight one. Hopefully, we'll be the second out team we normally are. Okay, final score is ten three to Ulster. Scored a try with four or five minutes to go. Dave, your thoughts? Uh, there was a sickening inevitability about it, wasn't there? Um, uh, there's something missing. There was something Robbie? missing tonight. There was a, there, well, yeah. There was, but I just thought after, I mean, after the two chances to start the first half, where you'd be hoping you'd be looking at why is the winger passing the forward, not the other way around, and if it had been, it would, may, have, may have gone on. You just, I will actually genuinely, but on eight, seven emails, I, I tweeted that I was surprised by how the just. Both teams were lacking something. Neither team you saw penetrating or doing anything hugely brilliant. And it wasn't a brilliant try. It was a fish-bash, non-traditional Ulster try. Nick Williams goes and over, which, you know, means the decision to let him go to the card makes even less sense now. But, um... I just, just, just a total flat. Team was flat. There was nothing... There was nothing there, and you thought it genuinely thought it was going to drift off to a three-all unless somebody made. Just some, no one was going to do anything spectacular, so it just came. Who made the who made the worst error? And they did one little thing at Rory Scholes, got into the 22, scored from this. Didn't think it was a scrum to them. I thought they'd wasted the ball, but I could be here all night if I talked about Fitzgibbon. Um, no, probably the better team won. Probably the better team won, but not sure they should have. 
Yeah, I know what you're saying. I thought it was like as a someone who's played rugby for years. I thought defensively both sides were were incredible. I thought the, the defensive effort on both parts were was really good um, because no matter what you know, no matter what each team tried, they, you know they couldn't get around, they couldn't get through, they couldn't get over. Um, so from a defensive point of view, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fantastic game defensively, um, and it was it was really tense, really exciting for a, for a traditional interpro. Um, yeah, we were just missing a little bit, and you, you do have to wonder if that little bit would be Robbie Henshaw, whether he, he is that sort of player who can make a difference. Well, he has a, he has a spark of something. Um, I, I don't know, though. I mean, there seems to be... Some of the guys were saying maybe too many guys were out the last few weeks and they were just lacking a little bit of match sharpness. It's true, it could be a case, but... That was, I mean, some of the hits going in. I mean, the McCluskey-Bundy battle was absorbing. Um, I thought that, I thought we made a few fundamental errors of judgment, and I thought, I don't know if Trimble received a direct pass in the entire game. Um, I thought there was a little, we wouldn't, didn't support, we ran straight lines and didn't run, didn't step and support the guy in the shoulder, which we've done in, the, done in other games. It's the post-game section of the podcast. Got a big crew with me here. Let's start with William Davis. Hi, William. Good evening, Rob. How are you? From South Africa on Alan's phone. Well, modern technology, anything is possible. I'm sitting in Durban beside my uh, pool. I've got my had the game on a very good feed from BBC Northern Ireland. And, of course, we had uh, yourself and Joe on goal with BFM. Everything was good except the result. Yeah, the result was, was quite poor. I can't start this commentary all negatively because we're all like, oh, we hope you're having a good Christmas over in South Africa in the sun. Is it very hot down there, is it? Oh, he brought uh, the rain with him. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the test match started late because he brought the rain with him. The, the match is delayed, is it? <laughs> no, no, they did start, but they were late. Well, I, I was going to... Go for it, William. Awkward satellite delay. It's like watching RT News. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a little bit of rain, but 25 degrees, good hard days, test cricket, old style, and very much like tonight's game, which was a very old style derby match. That's like uh, a throwback to the 70s. Alan was loving it. I, I thought it was a poor game overall because there was too many mistakes and it never had enough oomph about it for a 10-3 game. What was your take on it? I thought it was a very poor game. Um, Agreed. But I think the interesting thing was Ulster, I don't think Ulster were ever concerned about the errors and the mistakes that they were playing at the speed that suits them. Um, I thought we just got a bit frustrated with ourselves and we started trying things, um, got a little bit panicked and then when we got it to three each, which doesn't sound very exciting, we kind of got rolled over again. Yeah. Ulster just upped it and toughed it out really well. But it's a very frustrating night. A couple of penalties from Ronaldson. It's a tough loss to take, really. You should start a cricket podcast while you're down there. Yeah, there's plenty of people here. I could give it a go. I, I recommend it. I'd listen to it. I'm not the only one I'd say. William, we're going to say goodbye. Take care. Uh, all right. Look after yourselves, boys. Tell the story well. I'll be listening in. Come Great on, stuff. Well, work, William. Take it easy. Happy uh, New Year. Bye. So we're saying Happy New Year in between Christmas and New Year. That's the correct... That's the right way to do it. Christmas is over. Yeah. Christmas was yesterday. Right. So you say Happy New Year once Christmas is over. Okay. Alan's been introduced to the podcast. Who am I introducing? Not. Not Sheehan. Or as we're going to call him, as usual, Backy. You say that every single time, Roy. 
<laughs> oh, so well, we brought the Roy in. You, you do know that he's the Dick Byrne of this podcast. Oh, I think, yeah. No, I'm not having this because I've been <laughs> Dougal from day one. I don't like it. Dathan. Ah, uh, welcome back, Roy. It's Rob. It's Rob. It's Roy. I'm not famous enough for people to actually know it's not Roy at this stage. <laughs> you joined in, Andrew? Ah, uh, just watching. Just watching. He's uh, Andrew's. Andrew's our studio, live studio audience. Spectating on a podcast. How about that? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. We could podcast. We could build a little, a little audience around here, uh, lads. I'm okay. Alan, start with you. First of all, full disagreement with you because you said to me afterwards, "Oh no, that was a good game, Rob. Don't know what you're talking about. I don't think it was a good game, but." I don't know if I want to talk about the overall whether it was a good game or not just yet. What I want to talk about is that feels like a big defeat. It feels like a real momentum stopper. You know, yeah, right, you win in Munster, but you've got to win these kind of tight games when they're there to be won. I know Ulster on paper have beaten Toulouse over the last couple of weeks and look strong, but still, today, who's there for the take? It was. It means three defeats in four. If you lose in Leinster, it's four and five. If you lose over in Scarlets, it's five and six. And all of a sudden, the great momentum from early season's gone. And you lose those two games, no one can criticise you. People can't kind of criticise you for losing at home, but those two away games are very tough ones to win. Oh, yeah. Winning away from home is is, is such a difficult thing to do. Yet we've had two away wins today in the league with with, um, the Ospreys beating the Scarlets. So, you know, it's it's possible to be done. It's out there to be done. I think that we have the problem. We have it seems to have it every year. Um, the pitch has got heavy and it doesn't suit us. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I have to say the passing, our passing was terrible today. The amount of times the ball went behind the back, fellas had to check their runs. We just went crisp enough and Ulster weren't worried at all there. You know, we were going, we were kind of going from side to side, the odd in road, but nothing, you know, no clear, clear breaks. Uh, I think, regardless of Ronaldson, we should have kicked the first penalty and then go from there, but... I'm disappointed it feels like a bad bad loss I yeah I agree that's the way I feel Dave and it feels like Ulster have gone gone back up to Belfast now ahead of their Munster game and ahead of three more European games and they haven't really taken much of a blow here at all be it a physical battle they come away with four points I don't want to say it was an easy four points but it wasn't the hardest four points they're going to earn all season no which is why they're going to absolutely bounce out of here because they didn't have to they didn't have to get much above we never, apart from the first 10 minutes, we never, ever dictated the pace of the game. I thought, Nick Williams got mad in the match. I thought Pinar was like a conductor of an orchestra. It did not go, it, it was played at their pace, at their level, apart from a few moments where we did something different. But they, we, we can count them on the fingers of one hand, the amount of times you're thinking, yeah, can't you do something here? I thought, as I said, as I said immediately after the game, well, I thought we were flat, we were missing something, but I can't tell you what it was. Now, Maybe it was Robbie who could do certain something. I didn't think Ulster had anything much outside ten in terms of the, given the quality of players they had. But you just felt if it went one to nine, if it went on a one nine game, that one to nine they just were nastier than us. And I just thought, especially when they made it, they made very few changes. We changed everybody. They didn't change as many, and they left on the nastiest man in Irish rugby, who was Nick Williams. And for the life of me, I know he divides opinion, but I think they are going to regret the fact that he's going to Cardiff. Yeah, yeah, but just going back to the game and, and, and with it being a negative game, I thought both defences were brilliant. They both came up, they really narrowed. There was no room out there tonight. There was just no room. And even when both sides tried to kick the ball, the cover defence from both sides was superb as well. So, like, you know, yes, it wasn't the most exciting game going forward, 
But as a defensive game, I thought it was fantastic. I thought both sides... There was hardly any missed tackles, hardly any at all. They might come up as technically missed tackles, but there was nobody made major line breaks or anything like yeah. that because the tackling was so good. Yeah, I was the tackling gri- was so strong. I was really gripped by it because you knew how important it was. So I found it very easy to commentate on and be enthusiastic about the commentary. But I couldn't help but thinking if you're sitting at home with a beer watching rugby, you just wanted something more from it. And it wasn't tries. If tomorrow's game is like that, we will be bored. Let's be honest, man. We will be bored. It's bump, bump, bump. That's probably, and weirdly, tomorrow's game is more likely to be like that because I think the two teams are playing both bump for the moment. We've seen what we can do with the ball in hand. Um, I've always been worried that we've been giving away tries. Now, again, we've conceded a late try. That's been happening to us all season, but this is the first time where it's really mattered. But before that, and I, this is where I will agree with Alan, I think our D has always been, you've always been a little bit worried that we concede tries. There's mm. none of that. That's probably our best defensive performance, but we seem to have lost... That as I come back to it, that je ne that je ne sais quoi, that joie de vivre that we had in the season, which meant we were throwing the balls around well, and things were coming. I do think we have to give them great credit because they worked out what we were doing. But we just seem to think we seem to have the rolling mall, and then we had them when they copped onto that it was a wasp plan B, and we didn't seem to have one. It was that well, missing the kick to the corner, missing Ash missing the kick to the corner with what seven or eight minutes to go. I think it was something That's like that. That's the game. Yeah. That's the game because they get they get the ball and never give it back to us and score a try in the corner. Yeah. You know we're what? kicking the few times they did kick into our 22 it was perfectly placed and we obviously took decision there was no chance to counter-attack out of 22 although one time I just felt it was such a change from what we've seen all season where Tiernan took the decision Tiernan O'Halloran to kick to touch when up until now we ran it out of the 22 every time well we kicked to touch when they went to man down yeah. we didn't kick we didn't kick the ball for the rest of the game until yeah. we, they went to man down yeah. it, was, yeah, it really did feel wrong really did feel wrong just to say that I know you run about the defences we had 17 missed tackles there in that game yeah they had 11 we had 17 they made a couple of good good breaks down the wings I think their problem is they try to score off first phase every time and we just didn't build I was worried about Jack Carty for a while then I thought I was going to eat my words a little bit but I, I just I'm just worried that he doesn't he doesn't take ownership of a game like he should you know and is, is this second 5-8 thing part of it because one game he did seem to take ownership of was when he was on his own in there against Newcastle and it was all on him Possibly, possibly, but I think that when different standard of rugby against Newcastle. Uh, absolutely, like yeah. we're we're playing it, you know, not far off Heineken Cup standards. There, the, the hits that were going in. I know, you know, my son Danny was here. We hadn't been out to a game for a while. And Audience he, member number two in this live studio. Absolutely, audience. yeah. But he was very impressed with the the quality of the hits that were going in and the, and the power of the hits were going in. Like when you're this close to the pitch, and you see these guys smashing into each other at that that intensity, it's really impressive. Again. I suppose as an ex-back row player that's why I quite like that but stuff but it's true well, well, yeah. hold on a second like, this is 5,500 I think this is your point Like, I'm up there yeah. in my commentary booth and I'm trying to analyse the game as a contest and all that kind of stuff but at the end of the day when you're packed into the clan terrace on St Stephen's night with a rugby team that are pushing to be top of the table you know where were we and where are we now as bad as it is Alan has a point are we, are we too close to it because I mean it's an awful and my, yeah. brother's, my brother's first visit to the sports ground he loved it really great time disappointed with the result got into the game weirdly got less into it than I did we too close to it to see yeah. now I mean there was a large amount of people here and you could tell there were people who were just along for their one game of the season and they started singing when Ash was lining up to kick the goal of the 3 all. and that's I mean, people going shut up shut up those were, those, they did they did but that, those are the type of people you want to come back because they might, they'll come to one game they might come to two games now the, result, the results often have to back that up but I think are we so close to it that we don't necessarily 
we are looking for the things that are wrong whereas the average one punter will come along it was a great atmosphere it was fantastic I felt no. welcome but I just wonder no, I think maybe we are just no. a little bit on this particular one in terms of will it affect support will it affect I don't think it will but in terms of the average punter I do go back to it. I think if this, this game tomorrow was played like that we'd all admire we'd admire the hits and the average punter would go that's a bit boring I, I am disagreeing with the idea I think the, I think most people left the sports ground really disappointed tonight yeah, I think so. Most I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's just the way we lost. Yeah. Oh yeah, gosh, no. Just, yeah, absolutely. That, that that's true. That's I think it's, I think, but in terms of we are looking at why we lost, and they'll focus on how we lost. We for them, it's about we lost to a try in the last minute, and we didn't look like we were going to get up, was anything in the last two minutes. We're looking at the specific reasons. I think that's maybe why we need to differentiate between ourselves. Yeah, I want to look at it from the point of view of this is our season to get top four or top six. Well, top four to start with, and where we are, where we are, um, a team that's won five out of nine, five and four, have come to the team to have a seven and two record, and they've won away from home without without hitting their top form. So that's that's where it feels like a sucker punch. It kind of does. The, uh, the World Cup skews those results a bit. Of but, course it does. Yeah, yeah. but still, in all, we're Connaughters home, <laughs> and they need they need to push on to like that. I'm just saying, they, they looked like they were a bit suffocated. It was yeah. uh, the passing was too kind of safe, um, just behind the back. It just they didn't get into a flow at all. They just didn't get didn't no, get moving. Didn't get cracking. You know, didn't one question back here. Were there any offloads? There were no offloads. There didn't seem to appear to be any offloads today. Now, maybe it wasn't a day for it, but we've we seen them at least to try to do offloads, try to do sideships, try to do dummies. There was none of that. It, I think you may be right. I think you may have got it spot on. They were suffocated. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a sure sign of that. But like. partly because, and you saw Knee do it two or three times, he went to step, step inside or make a big step off the ground, and his foot went. The ground is not there. It's very difficult to play a, a flowing running game where the, you get someone like Knee who's got you know, light on his feet. And he goes to put his foot down, and his foot goes from underneath him. And it happened quite a lot. And they, they, they copped onto that and never really tried it. Yeah, in the warm-up, uh, we saw with Pinar slipping. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. as we said earlier. OK, uh, Pat Lamb. I spoke to Pat Lamb. Pat, uh, first thing we have to say about that is it's a really tight game between two teams that seem very evenly matched. And I think Connacht had the balance of chances and Ulster came out with the win. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we, we said that at the end of the game that, you know, it's probably a good game in our rugby education. You know, it's, uh, these, these derbies, as I said to the boys going into them, they're always they're the closest thing they'll get to uh, test match rugby. And, you know, and, and our whole job here is to prepare them for test match rugby. And, um, you know, you come off those games and, and you, you know that. Um, you got to take your chances, and we had we had so many chances at half time. To come down three nil was uh, at half time was, uh, was was probably disappointing. We, did, we had enough chances we could have taken. There's a lot of moments that you can hone in on. There were big turning points. I mean, oh, yeah. Aj not finding touch is going to be one that a lot of people will focus on. Yeah, well, at half time we spoke about um, you know at least I was, I was the good thing as a coach you're not going at half time to try and get the boys up. They were definitely up for it. You can see that in our defence, our line speed, our chase, our kick chase. Um, but uh, it's about nail- nailing a lot of the other detail and um, and we and, and taking the chances. And so we we did maintain the the defence, which 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 we did for most of the game. And with our big team, we had some a uh, lot of experience. Uh, they have a lot of experienced players, and we wanted to keep them out of our red zone. And we did that for most of the half. And I think uh, it was nine minutes to go, we. Um, you know, we had them down there and they, they kicked them. Bundy had to go down and get it. And then we, we tried to play from there and, and we turned the ball over. And then when they, they strangled us from there, they, you know, we were doing a lot of defending and our kicking was poor. 
and we had um, you know just you know line out defence, line out scrum, and then they um, you know they got over one metre from our try line, and then that's that's when their forwards are at their best, and they you know they, they managed to get over for a try line. But besides that, our D has been great all game. It's very hard for you to kind of re- go through the game and analyse every decision that you're making on the pitch. But in those last few minutes, Connacht were kicking for touch from their own 22, whereas maybe earlier this season it's been run it back, run it back. Is it heavy ground time of year? Is it maybe yeah, being too pondered? Yeah, there is. You know, there's a balance of that, and um, you know, certainly I think when. You know, the defence have been good right through. And then when they put their ball and Bundy went back, because we're going back and we're, we're, you know, 10 metres from our line, we needed, and we're in the middle of the park, it was perfect time to put it down into the corner and put some more chase on them and put pressure back on them because it's 3 all. But we, we, I think we moved it and uh, one one play, and we probably, if we're going to move it, we, we should move it to the edge. And we, we, we took it one out and, and we, we got hit and lost the ball. And that turnover, we never saw the ball again until um, they scored the try. So, uh, th- again, those are the, the moments. And we've we got to remember, you know, there's five academy boys out there. There's a lot of guys who are young and a lot of, you know, and, um, you know, no cap players, uh, by our, uh, you know, um, uh, Whitey and, and Karen. So this is massive for the rugby education going forward. And, and we get another chance next week in a, in, a, in, a, in a test match situation over in Dublin. So we'll get back, do what we normally do, uh, break it down and um, take the learnings and, and then head to Dublin. If you look at this from a team that's overachieving, this is nothing to, to, to be too worried about because Ulster are a form side and, and they've won here. But if you look at it from the point of view of a team that we're going to try and be top of the table tonight, they've lost to a team that have struggled. Yeah, I, I think the only thing we look at it is, is there's an opportunity to get four points and unfortunately we only got one. And, um, you know, we you know as it goes through, we, we, we're a long way out. And we've said that even when we're at the top of the table, we, we're, it's a long way to go. And so we go game to game. And, and this is a game where, um, yeah, they, they've been playing extremely well and they're coming off two great, great wins. But I think we, we, we put them under a lot of pressure. Um, and um, But it only counts if you get the points. And we didn't take the point. We had enough times to get the points. And, you know, we've got to remember we're three all with three minutes to go. And um, and we had chances to, to, to nail it. And that's that's our learnings. And, you know, there's, we, we come off this nine. Yeah, we go. We went, you know, toe to toe with a with a team that just put sixty odd points against Toulouse, and um, you know, and it was only in the last few minutes. So there's a lot of positives. I think the biggest positive is no injuries. That's 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 one thing I'm, I'm grateful for, and. Um, uh, but you know, it's uh, it, it is a big game, like I said, in the rugby education. All right, Andrew, studio audience member. You had a question for the lads. The referee. That's his question. Yeah, he had a much longer version of that, but he's decided to shorten it to what do you think of Peter Fitzgibbon tonight? I'd like to wait and watch it again on TV because there's too many times I've been caught here and started complaining about a ref and then went back and looked at it later on and thought, well, actually, no, he didn't play that badly, so I'm not going to make any comment until I've looked at it again. OK, but my question, Alan, was about... Well, your question oh, no, needed no, no, more. No, no. OK, there was a real question, which is, <laughs> is that the referee was exceptionally lenient and uh, what that meant is that he didn't stop the game and reset the play. And rugby depends, at least to a certain extent, on resetting the play, moving everybody out of position. Because we didn't have that, we could have all of these defensive patterns, everybody in the right place, all at the right time, and so we don't get a game of rugby. Again, I'd, I'd, I'd still come back to the fact that the pitch was very... This, this is as heavy as I've seen the sports ground in a long time. Mm. And you're and blaming the pitch. I'm, well, I'm, what I'm saying is with regard to guys getting back into defensive positions and you know, the lack of offloads and the lack of guys being able to you know, cause problems. Like the, the idea of being able to... The, part of the way of... of, of the reason we saw this bish bash bosh tonight was that normally what we've been seeing up to now and we certainly saw it down in Munster and we've seen it most of the season from our players and we saw it last week in Newcastle again mm-hmm. when you've got a solid pitch 
our guys don't go into contact. They'll avoid, they'll, they'll take a step just as they go into contact, they'll sidestep one side or the other, or go look for the weak shoulder. You can't do it on a pitch like that. And that changes the dynamic of what you're trying to do, which means it takes a little bit longer to get everybody cleaned out, which gives everybody a chance to move back. Yes, I think he was. He was certainly lenient. I, I, I couldn't believe he didn't yellow card Matt Healy, I have to say. I'm and saying I, it shouldn't be yellow card. It was, high tackles weren't always yellow cards. It's just really dangerous ones. Well, he clattered into it him. It wasn't a high tackle. He took him on Sorry, the air. Let yeah. me correct myself. I just yeah, used yeah. the wrong phrase. Words. Uh, tackling a guy in the air wasn't always a yellow card. And I mean, making contact with him in the air wasn't because he didn't tackle him in the air either. He just bumped into him clumsily. And he deserved a warning. Okay, but do you think... Uh, more generally, could you say this is the sort of Nigel Owens effect here? This idea of uh, letting a game go is that uh, is that the style of refereeing that we want, or do we want to go back towards the Alain Roland uh, style of refereeing? Well, I think with Nigel, it's a case of he doesn't allow Tim always to tell him what to do. He doesn't allow any waits, and let's see what develops. But he will go back. I, I think I've already gone public about how I thought in the first half that, that Mr Fitzgibbon made some interesting calls more the inconsistency and I have had gone on the road where people are watching the game on TV on TV he's coming across very well to us here we're seeing the things that the, the TV cameras miss the things that are happening on the blind side which brings me to the slightly bigger angle and something I really need to look at the game again for is how we shouldn't be talking about the referee in isolation because Peter Fitzgibbon there's one thing that I did think Peter Fitzgibbon got wrong every single time and that is Ruben Pienaar's hands are at 45 degree angles when he puts the ball into the yeah, yeah. and that's that's of and he's actually looking at it. now he's clearly made the decision that doesn't matter but that's a rule he's deciding not to implement that's my problem with him but I think in the whole thing there are things that we were pointing out this couple of minutes as Alan was talking about off air that's part of that's the refereeing team there is a touch judge looking at it who is a qualified referee who either feels he cannot or will not make a decision and I, that's why you have to look at it in not just Mr Fitzgibbon or whoever the referee is in isolation and that's the great thing about Nigel Nigel always seems to get very good touch judges alright well I'm just going to counterbalance that by saying I thought they were excellent tonight I thought I've seen four or five weeks in a row where touch judges were missing key knock-ons at key points every little knock-on was spotted today I was really happy with what they did in that sense I thought they worked together as a team very well and I think Bundiaki, from what I could see, even though he was held on the ground, first of all, was very, very lucky not to get a yellow card or even worse for lashing out on a player on the ground right in front of us. So you guys wouldn't have seen that. It was a completely blindsided to it, but you well, see that in the TV. That's what I'm talking about. That's things we don't see. So yes, I mean, that's Alan's well, point. I think there's also things in this, and I would come back to you. I think if you, there was at least two knock. There's a knock on that was given that is unjustifiable because it. And the first, oh, pe- yeah. John John the first, was very the first penalty that, that Ulster get, I need to see that again because I, on one glimpse um, off the screen. I can't see where the hand is in the rock, but uh, I need to see. Uh, I need to see that. Yeah, no, more uh, down, he's ah, yeah, He went okay. down. He had his hand in. He had his hand wrapped around the player as he went down. And so when he went down, he pulls his hand out, which is why the ball oh. goes loose. But that's bad discipline. Yeah, it is. I mean, Ali's playing some great rugby, but yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't yeah. do that. Silly. Okay, Silly. In, that, in that case, then I, I, I hand that one up. I just, it just seems like a poor decision. But once you know, once you see things again, that's why we need to look at. It. I mean, maybe I've been right. And if I happen harsh to, to Peter Fitzgibbon, I will go. Look, do you know what, lads? I got that wrong. Peter's one of our best listeners to the podcast. I've no doubt. Well, I'm not criticising the ref. It's the style of refereeing that's the question here. And that should rugby be going for this more... You know, the referee is the ringmaster, and so therefore should he be... Should we... Do we want the style of having referees to be so lenient? Yeah, on that broader question, Paki. I don't know. It's the answer to that for me. Mm. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, Well, that's it. They're laws as opposed to rules, I suppose. They're there to be interpreted. No, no, no. laws, Laws are meant to be... They are laws. Rules, you can kind of bend them. Laws are laws. And he, uh, there are referees, not tonight, not necessarily tonight, but other games, and games we've all seen, where referees are just 
ignoring certain laws. And I come back to the most obvious one, the one that I can definitely say, is you do not put the ball in at the scrum at the loose head's feet. And that, I mean, 45 degrees, and the referee's looking at it. Look at the position of his hands. And you can't misinterpret that. That is a law, not a rule. Yeah, they've stopped ref- stop refing that. Okay, final <laughs> section of the podcast coming up with a musical sting in between it. The RDS next week, Connick versus Leinster. Uh, Niall, I said at the top of this podcast, uh, Noel Mannion was suggesting that that could be even more winnable than this one based on form. Hard to know, though, really. Especially after what we just saw there, you got a feeling that we're, we're back to the kind of the old, kind of just taking that little step back after a few steps forward. Yeah, but one defeat shouldn't do that, though. It's not do one defeat. It's three, three and four, four and all that. Three and four. Are you going to count last week? In yeah. Newcastle, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. yeah he well, has a point. That's that's an I irrelevant would. defeat, really. Because I wouldn't. Yeah, but the Cardiff one and this one, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have sent a team over to Newcastle last week. To be honest with you, then you're looking at two and two. Then. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's oh, that's it. Two God. and two. You're looking at two in a row in the Pro 12. <laughs> yeah, no, no, fair enough. But I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to go doom and gloom. If you look at the table, let's look at the table tonight. So, or uh, one point off the off the top, um, top province in the country. So we're going up to play, possibly will be the fourth province. How are you balancing the fact that you say at the start of the podcast no. it's a sickening blow? It is, it is a sickening blow. It felt like a really bad one, but I wouldn't put all doom and gloom on it yet. Mm. If the wind was taken out of an awful lot of attacks through poor passing tonight, and if they can rectify that, which I'm sure they will be doing during the week, then, then we're going we're gonna to see something else. And, you know, it depends on the, you know, the conditions in the RDS as well. It's going to be New Year's Day, for Christ's sake. So, you know, that's going to, that's going to play an awful lot on it. But if, if, they can get, if they can get that right, if they can get their attack going right, um, you know, there's going to be enough. There's an awful lot of players with an awful lot to prove this, uh, that happens in the Interpros, tonight especially. And, um, you know, n- next, next week for the, for the Leinster game. Like I'm reading in the press, he's been playing fantastically, right? This is... Could possibly be my rant, but Josh van der Fleer or Flyer is playing really well for mm. Leinster. Ireland international in waiting, or so we're told. Mm. I think James Connolly is playing unbelievably good stuff. And mm. Masterson. You know, and, and Masterson as well, in fairness. But I, I just put that, and there's nothing said about Connolly. I want to see that matchup. I want to see them going at each other. And, uh, you know, I want to see what's going to happen there. I think Alton Delan yeah. is. I named Ali Muldowney there two weeks ago, was it? Um, Alton Delan tonight was the best second row on the pitch. He's outstanding. He was un- unbelievable. Loose his turn. He won the penalty at a key. He won the penalty that Ash McGinty didn't find to touch. Yeah. It's such a big penalty. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. No, he's he's been really. There's a lot of stuff. I'm not I'm not going to totally write off tonight's defeat is sickening for me. But I wouldn't write it off. No That's way. I wouldn't write the dream off on the, on the back of that. Brilliantly no separated way. as two separate issues. It's a sickening defeat, but it's by no means doom and gloom. Well, it's a sickening defeat because all defeats should be sickening. You shouldn't be happy with defeats. And, then, and I do think, I know Alan keeps changing the, what counts as a defeat, but actually it is, it is habitual. We, are, we have a tendency to go on runs of defeats, so it's nice if we can stop that. But it's also, we're talking, it's 8 o'clock on Stevens's night. We've no idea how the Munster Leinster game is going to go. We've no idea how's, who's gonna, who's, how that's going to go. If they win that, then you start feeling a little bit edgy. If they lose that, if they have suffer any injuries, um, if they get a bit of a thumping down there, which, is, which, they may, which may not happen but may very well happen, we don't know. We, we're going into this with absolutely no idea what Leinster's going to be. We don't know what side they'll be allowed to pick. We don't know what's, who's going who's to be arrested. So I think we, we, we know we can see where... I think, I think Packy's got it right with where we are standing, but we have no idea where we're standing because they still have to play Munster tomorrow. 
there is that and just just going back to our lack of execution tonight there was uh, most of the guys haven't played for three weeks because we had two two completely separate teams as we said in, in the competition that doesn't really matter and so you're looking at the guys who, who were just again slightly out of sync and we saw it last week in, in Newcastle where they're just just that half second it's, it's yeah, only Lindy half second yeah Lindy was saying it's about just yeah, Lindy was saying. and Rob yeah, yeah, and just, just slightly out of sync all the time just slightly out of sync and maybe this is their first game back first time we've seen Kieran playing at nine for a while first time we've seen um Aki still looks as though he's playing with an injury. He did, yeah. He got some treatment there for about a minute and a half at one point, and he just kind of walked away. He wasn't limping, but he's not yeah. happy with that ankle. Yeah, and Tiernan hadn't played for a while as well. So, like, there's a lot of guys coming back, and you'd hope that they've, you know, this, this game will have done with the world of good and that we'll be able to kick on. Looking at the forecast, it shouldn't be too bad for next week. Aki, you're talking about Ireland, like Ulster. I mean, I, I'm listening to ten, some of the players that they're missing from this game, like Tommy Bow, Darren Cave, uh, Payne, Gr- Gil- Gilroy, Ian Henderson, Dan Toohey, Rory Best, and that team out there, OK, they didn't blow our minds today by any stretch of imagination, but what they've done the last three weeks, two amazing games against Toulouse, and then a really, really good Pro 12 away win on Stevens Day. They deserve so much credit. Oh, they do. Yeah, 100%. Just like Connacht deserved the huge plaudits from going through a massive injury list and winning games mm. for the last while. Mm. Same, same sort of scenario. Mm. Um, no, they, they're getting them. Paddy Jackson is playing really well. He needs to yeah. try to stop to, yeah. you know, score off first phase the whole time because, you know, he could be, he's issuing uh, possibly at the minute ahead of Sexton. Sexton is playing really poorly. Just back to that what we're talking about, Leinster. Win or lose against Munster tomorrow there is one team in the whole competition that Leinster will not want to play if they lose they're going, they're going to be down a bit and they need to pick it up the one team that they won't want to play is Connacht now I'm not saying all this is going to happen and if they win if they get a good performance and if they win definitely the team that they want to play is Connacht because uh, historically you know we've been the fly in the ointment or you know what I mean they're just they won't want it and they can't need to go you know it's not all fire and brimstone but they need to go up with that attitude and the uh What's, how many games now is it since we won away from home against an Irish? Oh, just one! Just one! Yay! We're unbeaten. We're on an unbeaten run. Think about yeah. that, Rob. That's, that's, I, that's, I've, that's such a I've thought about it. Your unbeaten run. Rant time. Um, me, yeah. just how much I love Ulster as a, a province, and I'm delighted they're going well. Love visiting them. Love when they come down here. Their media are fantastic yeah. people. They're a fantastic rugby team. And uh, I wish them well going forward in the season. I hope we can do something amazing up in Ravenhill to make up for this defeat. It's still sickening to lose to them, but uh, best of luck in Europe, folks, if any Ulster fans are listening. Alan, rant time. Yeah, yeah, I'm sick and tired of the national media going on and on about the state of Irish rugby. We're the current Six Nation champions. We've got four teams in the top five in the Pro 12. And just because Munster and Leinster aren't doing well, they think that the rugby is just the end of rugby in this. But in they're the, the premier rugby. provinces. Oh, that, that was it. That was, you just led <laughs> straight in. You just set me off there. This idea that, you know, they're the premier province. There's four provinces in Ireland. We all get the same funding from central funding from the IRFU. So there is no premier province. You know, the, the national media, okay, fine. Dublin's got the biggest population, and most people are, are from there, are, are, you know, it's where they get their readership and they get their listenership. But they're not all from Leinster. They're not all from there. They're from all over the country. And we need to be able to, they need to look at this and go, right, yeah, we've got people living in Dublin. It doesn't mean they're all Leinster supporters. They're from all over the place. Just cop on and just get on and realise that Irish rugby's not in as bad a state as they think it is. And if I hear another thing about how few bloody players we have in this country, we have the fourth most number of players in nationally, in, you know, if you look at the professional players in, in playing rugby in this country as against the ones around the world, we have more players in Australia. They're in the World Cup final. We have more players than them, professionally. And they still have five teams. 
Let's, you know, this, this crap that we don't have enough players. Oh, it just drives me up the wall. Wow. That was, uh, oh, that was one of the better ones of the season. Oh, he's right. He was totally right. Um, You're right. It's a small little observation. Uh, Ulster's winning to lose wasn't historic. Somebody else went to lose and bet them. Yeah. An Irish team went to lose and bet them before. Yeah. And, uh, that so, kind of, that, so did Lancer as well. So did Lancer, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't historic, so, yeah. But yeah. it was a, still, still was a fantastic win. Um, also, uh, we need to start being better on 4G pitches because we've lost all our games on artificial pitches this season. Yeah, which that's is funny. Stat, that's your set. Yeah, that's no, it is. He's, he's making that my stat. <laughs> yeah, that, that is my new stat. Rants, Packy. Don't really have one, to be honest with you. What? He rang me the half an hour before the game and he was still out in Denoyri and I was in Tume and uh, I'm just going to say this is not a rant this is a general rant about Galway traffic shouldn't take somebody stuck out in Denoyri less time to get into Galway City than does somebody in Tume on a day when it's not actually that busy on the roads Dave they're building your motorway and it's the most ridiculous motorway ever that's my rant anyway okay folks <laughs> we're out of here thanks everyone See thanks you, Andrew you're welcome Rob thanks folks Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Schlaft gut. Okay, we'll just work out that one, what that is next week. Oh, Guinness. Great. That's what the, the Germans do. <laughs> say schlaft gut, that means good slide. And then when it goes into New Year, you say froze no CR. And on that bombshell. There we go. <laughs> Jesus, the night is a strange place. <laughs>